Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to begin today a series over the next uh, few weeks called Life is Better at the Beach. Now, there's some biblical principles here that I'm going to share, but we're also going to have just a little bit of fun, okay? But I want to talk to you today uh, about Life is Better at the Beach. Let's, let's pray that the Lord helps me not get in trouble while I'm ministering this, all right? <laughs> Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, that we have the ability and the opportunity to serve you and to live for you and to love you and to experience your blessing and your favor and your joy in our life. I pray, God, that you would just touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word today, that my words would be as the pen of a ready writer, that the ears of the hearers would hear, that their hearts would receive, that their understanding would be enlightened, that our spirit and our soul, our body would be receptive to your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Now, before we get into this message, I want to have just a little bit of a conversation with you about something that's been on my mind. I've been kind of talking to Charles about this quite a bit. There's so many different kinds of ministries, and especially in a Pentecostal church where, the, where we believe in the move of the Spirit, where we believe in speaking with other tongues, where we believe in miracles, where we believe in prophecy, where we believe in the word of knowledge, where all of these types of things. In a Pentecostal church, if we don't watch, watch it, we get addicted to emotionalism. The Bible does not say that you know them by how loud they shout or by how well they dance or run the aisles or by how emotional they get when they're worshiping the Lord. The Bible says we know people by the fruit they bear. That's what the Bible says. I want you to understand that I love a good shout as well as anyone else. I love to see people get blessed, and, and we're not going to stop doing that. And we're, you know, we're going to continue to pray for people, and we're going to believe that the Lord touches them. We're going to believe for miracles, and we're going to believe for God to touch people's lives. But the level of my intensity in serving God has absolutely nothing to do with my spiritual maturity. And so... As I have told Charles, I said, if no one shouts at all, it doesn't mean we've had a bad service. If no one runs the aisles at all, it doesn't mean that we've had a bad service. No, 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 no. A lot of times, ministries that are more bent toward deliverance, are they get caught in that trap. They feel like that everything has to be worked up, that everything has to be intense and all of these kinds of things. But, but in order to actually learn and receive, sometimes we got to calm down a little bit and open up our spirits and allow God to touch our intellect so we can receive the engrafted Word of God inside of us. So here's my encouragement to you, and this is my little talk that I'm having with you. Here's my encouragement with you, to you. If God wants to rock your world, let Him rock it. But if He doesn't, don't feel like you haven't been to church. And don't feel like that you're any less spiritual because the Bible says that we know people by the fruit that they bear. I love revival. I love to see people encouraged. You know what I love more? Six months later, when the people that got saved at the altar are still serving God and beginning to experience the joy of living for Him on a day-by-day -day basis and starting to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now that's what really gets me cranked. When I see God starting to bless you, 
When I see you growing in God, when I see you coming to me and say, or hear you coming to me and saying, you know, Pastor, God was speaking to me about this, and sometimes I might not even hear what you said God was speaking. I'm just thinking, yes, He's speaking to them. You know, yes, they can hear God. Yes, they're at that point where they can hear God. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that, that in your quest to become close to God, And in your journey to live for Him, not every experience that you have is going to be emotional. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, it's just commitment and consistency. I serve God because I love Him, not because how He makes me feel. And because I love Him, then the emotions are the bonus. They're the blessing. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good pastoral advice. Now, that's going to go good with what I'm going to be teaching you over the next few weeks because really what I'm going to be talking to you about is just chill. Just relax. I mean, life is better at the beach. Now, Lamentation chapter 3 verses 22 through 23 said, It's because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed because His tender compassions fail not They are new where? Every morning. Come on, tell somebody that means every morning. Every morning. They are new every morning. Great and abundant, I love this in the Amplified, is your stability and faithfulness. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse number 2 in the Amplified says this. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited expectantly for you. Be the arm of your servants, their strength and their defense. When? Every morning. Every morning. Come on, shout every morning. Every morning. Our salvation in the time of trouble. Now, how many of you have ever taken a vacation at the beach? Come on, you live in Florida. How many of you have ever taken a staycation at the beach? All right, you have, haven't you? The first beach vacation that I remember is uh, years ago when we decided to take the family to South Carolina. And uh, we were at Myrtle Beach. We were Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we were right there on the beach, and I could not wake up. I was in, I was in the, and Donna and the kids, they laugh at me. They say, every time we go on vacation, Dad just sleeps for two days. I, I can't help it. I just couldn't wake up. But it's the sound of the waves and the sound of the sea. And the thing about vacation is it's pretty much stress-free, right? No alarm clocks, no crazy agendas, the sounds of the waves. You got the sunshine there. Well, you know, God tells us that His mercies, His tender mercies are new every morning and that His compassion fails not. Did you know that we don't have to be at the beach to live that way? Did you know that every morning at the beginning of our day, God's already told us that He would be our strength and He's already told us that He would be our defense and He's already told us that His mercies are new every morning so whatever happened last night, whatever happened the day before and whatever happened the week before, you know what God sees? God sees a brand new day. That's why God is not bound with your past. 
So many people forfeit their future by living in the past. And the reason they do that is because they live under guilt and they live under condemnation. And they're going by what the world says. But I want to tell you something. When God looks at you, He looks at you forward. He looks at now forward. Now forward. And so when the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning, that He's our salvation in the time of trouble, then that just reminded me kind of of vacation that I don't have to be on vacation to live stress-free. Now, how can we do that? How can we, how can we live stress-free? Well, we have to learn how to celebrate things like lemonade and fried bologna sandwiches, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, you know, popsicles. We have, to, we have to learn how to live stress-free. The Bible says, in, and, and we live grateful. We develop this habit of living grateful. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15 in the Amplified says this, And let the peace or the soul harmony which comes from Christ rule. Let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ rule. And it says, Act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Now listen to this. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body ye were also called to live and be thankful or appreciative, giving praise to God always. So here's my, here's my word of encouragement to you today. How we start is a pretty good indication of how we end our days. So wake up smiling. So wake up smiling. Wake up smiling. Can you, can you hear the pillow talking? Wake up smiling. Wake up smiling, all right? Make that conscious decision. Choose joy. Wake up smiling. Begin your day thankful. Get things started right. You say, well, I just don't, I, maybe, maybe I just got up on the, on the wrong side of the bed. Then get into bed and get up on the other side. Do whatever you got to do, but try your best to get things going. You know, I had something happen to me Friday. I was supposed to be traveling on Friday. And uh, here, Pastor Josh, you look like you need that. You can't keep it, though, because that goes on Donna's bed. Okay. <laughs> but Friday, I, Friday, I, I got in my car, and, and we'd had a doozy of a week anyway. And Friday, I got in my car, and I was supposed to be doing some traveling. We had some, had some churches in the Church of God that, or that was interesting coming in the Church of God. And so I was going with Dr. Cushman, and we had four different appointments all the way from the other side of the coast, and some in Orlando, and some in Avon Park, and things. So I was going to have to travel. And so I got in the car, and I took off, and I got over to I-4, uh, exit 10, and I had a blowout on the interstate. And I was able, thankfully, it was right there by the exit, so I was able to get off the exit and get over to the Flying J to change my tire. Well, here's the thing. I had bought that tire just last week. So it was a brand new tire. I mean, a brand spanking new tire. I always buy road hazard. But I've never used it. For years. I mean, ever. I mean, I've always... And so they said, do you want road hazard? And I said, well, you know what? I've been buying road hazard since I was young, and I have never, not even one time, used road hazard. So I said, I'm going to pass on the 9 bucks per tire and just not buy road hazard. 
Well, I had the blowout. It tore the inside of the tire up. I'm, so I get the donut spare out. I put it on there. I have to call Dr. Cushman. I tell him I can't make it with him. I can only go 50 mile an hour on that donut spare, so I have to find back roads to get home. I put the donut spare back inside of the trunk. I go to shut the trunk, and I shut it on my phone. You know what I did? I went, ha! Devil, you think you're funny, don't you? Now, I'm going to ask you this question. What good would getting upset have done me? Would it have fixed the tire? Would it have fixed the phone? Would it have changed my situation? No, it didn't change my situation. But I'm going to tell you something. It took me about an hour and a half or two hours to get back home. I just took my time. I found a Starbucks, went through and got me some coffee. I stopped and got me a little lunch and all this. I'm talking to Donna and, and, and I told her this is what happened and everything. And she said, well, it probably just broke, you know, the thing that we put over the phone. And thankfully, that's exactly what happened. So it wasn't as bad as, as what we thought it was, although I did have to spend $120 on another new tire. But anyways, the point that I'm trying to make is you've got a choice how you're going to respond to what's happening to you. Every single one of us have a choice. It doesn't mean that there won't be things that mess with our emotions. It doesn't mean that there won't be times of pain and times of sorrow and times with grief and times of struggle and, and things like that. But if we make up our mind, I'm going to start my day with thankfulness. I'm going to start my day with joy. I'm going to wake up smiling. I'm going to make this conscious effort to do this. Then it's going to make our lives a whole lot better. We do that when we're at the beach. Why does life have to be so stressful when we come home? Now, let me, let me kind of just give you a little word of, of, of advice here. Make a conscious effort to deal with more strenuous things like later in the morning or in early afternoon. If you know you've got something difficult that you have to handle and you know it's, you've got to put it on your schedule, deal with it in late morning or early afternoon. After late morning, you've already, when it comes to late morning, you've already got your day started, you've got some things going, you can feel a little bit accomplished, and so you can deal with that, and then you have the rest of the day to recover. If you deal with it early afternoon, a lot of times you don't carry it home with you. If, you, if it's the last thing in the world that you do, then you're going to carry it home with you, and guess what's going to happen? Then it's going to become a problem. So life is better at the beach. When we wake up stress-free, then we, can under, then we need to understand. We can learn that lesson that we need to live grateful and that we, uh, we need to take that home with us. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you about is when you're at the beach, shoes are optional. <laughs> Donna looked at me today and I thought to myself, shoes are optional with her all the time. When she's down here praying for y'all, sometimes I look down here. And, and, I, and, I, and I do have something spiritual to say about this, but she looked at me and she told me, she told me, she said, you know, Kathy said that she forgot her shoes this morning and she's in her house shoes. I just got her. I just got her. She's gotten me so many times. I just nailed you good, girl. I got you back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
but, I, but I told her, I said, well, she's going to really like the second point of this message because the second point is bare feet, ocean retreat. Now, I want to tell you something. The Bible does say how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel of peace. But I want to tell you, I've learned through experience and a few foot washings that sometimes people's feet stink. Here's, here's what I want to talk to you about. Here's what I want to talk to you about. When we're at the beach, we don't really worry too much about our hair, do we? And we really don't dress to impress, do we? I mean, we just forget it. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about not living your life to impress other people. There is a great freedom that comes in when you realize the only person in the world that you need to impress is God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 7 in the New International Revised Version, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider how handsome or tall he is. I have not chosen him because of this. I do not look at the things that people look at. Man looks at how someone appears on the the outside, but I look at what is in the heart. King James Version says, Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. I think that what our heart looks like is a whole lot more important than what our hair looks like. And so we've got to work where it matters. When we're at the beach, our hair gets messed up, our clothes get sand in them, they wrinkle, we sweat, and we're just, we just generally kind of let ourselves go. But I think, uh, I think we need to understand that it's okay to not try to be so impressive. There are some things that we need to just kind of let go every now and then. I'm, I'm going to help some of you OCD ladies. Okay? It's all right for the, for the laundry to pile up just a little bit every now and then. It's okay. It's okay. Now, don't, don't be a slob. Don't let it go forever. But if, if you know, a half a basket of laundry is stopping you from enjoying time with your family, then you need to reevaluate your priorities. And some of you guys, you thought I was just nailing the ladies, weren't you? Some of you guys are so OCD about your car and about your motorcycle and about your boat. You know something? That boat's going to float whether it's got a speck on it or not. And so we've got to quit trying to, to, we got to quit worrying about impressing other people. A, a couple of dirty dishes in the sink occasionally doesn't mean you're a bad housekeeper. Okay? <laughs> I've got one person that's with me this morning. A piece of, you know, you know a, bottle, a bottled water in the cup holder in the car does not mean that you're not going to keep that car clean. Okay, so many times people they and and the reason they do this is because they're so consumed with well, what if somebody comes over to my house? What if they see you know these three dirty dishes in the sink? Or what if they get in my car? And what if they you know it's okay? You know something? They probably left a house that had dirty dishes in the sink and go get in their car and see what their car 
looks like. So the point that I'm trying to make, I'm not, I'm not telling you let yourself completely go, but I'm trying to tell you reprioritize your life. We try too hard to impress people. Let me give you an example. When people are dating each other, they go places to, that they can't afford to impress people with a lifestyle that they can't afford. Can't afford. If you can't take her to Ruth's Chris's, then don't be taking there, taking her there. Amen. If you think all you can afford is McDonald's, probably all you can afford is the hot dogs at the hot dogs at the racetrack. I mean, you know. I, so don't try to put on this persona of something that you... Because you know why? Later on, it's going to be really hard to live up to that. And it's going to create so many problems for you. It's going to create so many problems for you. And there's going to be a lot of stress that comes with that. And you can't hear God well when you're stressed. It's very difficult to live for God when you're stressed. If you're spending all your money on a house that you can't afford to impress people who bought a house that they can't afford to impress you, or you're spending all your money on a set of wheels that you know that you can't afford. I mean, I had a beautiful car once. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was great. Someone gave it to me. And I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But every time that crazy thing broke down, it cost $1,000. It was a high-end car. And it cost 1000 I got rid of that dude. I couldn't afford $1,000 every time something went wrong with that car. That thing broke down three or four times. I'd, I'd paid almost as much as I would have for a really good used car. Well, you say, Pastor, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you don't live above your means. Bare feet, ocean retreat. Quit living to impress people. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 7 that God doesn't look at you by what you look like or what you have or what you wear. No, no, no. God looks at our heart. Pride is costly. Pride is costly. So just chill. So when we go, so here's another thing. When we go without our shoes, then our feet get dirty, right? The sand from the beach needs to be washed off before we can re-enter our vacation residence. I want to encourage you today to examine your life and remove a lot of the unnecessary clutter. Get that unnecessary clutter out of your life. We can. How do I do that, Pastor? Well, we do it by developing a servant's heart. We do it by developing a servant's heart. Jesus had a servant's heart. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus had a servant's heart. John 13, verses 3 through 5, that Jesus, knowing fully aware that the Father had put everything into His hands and that He had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off His garments and took a servant's towel and fastened it around His waist and poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the servant's towel which, with which He was girded. This was the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. If anyone had their credentials to lay back and be taken care of, it was Jesus. But Jesus demonstrated that there is more value in serving than there is in receiving. When we serve, a lot of the things that hold us back fall off of us. Because when I serve, then that means that I have to put myself under the authority of someone else. When I serve, 
That means I have to be committed. And if I don't feel like going that day, I still go because I'm committed, because I'm serving. When I'm serving, when I'm serving, then I'm being, you'll never be more like Jesus than when you are serving. So when I'm serving, I'm being like Jesus. I'm being like Jesus. And look, Jesus could, have, Jesus could have went around and He could have just straightened their hair or He could have went around and made sure their collars were okay or He could have went around and straightened their robe. But no, 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 no. What did He do? He knelt down before them and took a towel and He took their stinky feet because they walked in sandals and their feet was probably filthy with road grime and everything else. And He took their feet and He washed that off of their feet. Did you know that's what Jesus does for us today? If we'll let Him, He'll wash away everything that doesn't belong in our life. If we'll let Him, He'll help us uh, unclog the clutter that's in our life. If we'll let Him, He'll help us get rid of the things that are holding us back. You see, so many times we're so consumed with living our life to impress. When you're at the beach, you don't care what your hair looks like. When you're at the beach, you don't even care if you have shoes on. When you're at the beach, probably the only thing you're worried about is what your body looks like, but just get in the water. Right? Offend the fish, you know? (laughs) What if we took that with us into our life? What if we said, you know something? I'm going to have myself together. I realize that I represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but it's not my job to impress people. It's my job to bless people. It's my job to encourage them. And then the last thing I want to talk to you about this morning uh, on this first message on Life is Better at the Beach is I want to talk to you a little bit about your quiet time. This is what I like about the beach. You can be on a crowded beach and find yourself a spot and just hone in on the water. And it's just you and the water. Just you and God's creation. Listen, quiet time belongs to you and God. Your quiet time belongs to you and God. We need to learn how to unplug, sit, soak, and renew. Don't we? I love this. It's in the message translation, and there's several different translations. Obviously, King James Version is the one that I like, but... But the message translation, I felt like, commentated this well. Psalms 119.114 says this, speaking of God. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. God, you are my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. What does the Bible say in Psalms chapter 91? It says about the secret place, doesn't it? Blessed is the man that is in the secret place. What is that secret place? It's your quiet place. It's your quiet place with God. Our lives are too busy. We live in a microwave society. We want everything right now, even our meals. We go through drive through And if they don't have it for us, by the time we get from, from ordering to the window, and we have to like pull forward to wait two, two more minutes because, you know, you had to take the stuff off the hamburger and fix it like you want it, have it your way. <laughs> then, then what do we do? 
I mean, and we get all upset, don't we? We get all frazzled because we had to sit there for two or three extra minutes. Listen, let me tell you something, folks. We, we get too wound up about too many things. We've got to learn how to unplug. Unplug. You're sitting in that drive-thru. It's going to take you two or three more minutes, so you're going to get to your destination two or three minutes later. What are you going to do when you get there? Sit down. What are you going to do when you sit down? Nothing. What are you doing while you're waiting on the burger to come out? Sitting down. What are you doing? Nothing. Waiting on the burger. So what I'm saying is so many times we get impatient, don't we? And I think what God's trying to tell us here is we need to learn how to go to God and let Him be our quiet retreat and let His Word renew us. Sitting on the beach, soaking up the sun, reminds me that we need more personal time in our lives. Every single time that we go to the beach, which is about once or twice a year, and it should be a lot more than that, but every single time that we go to the beach, we leave there and we say something to each other like, wow, we need to do this more often. Now, Donna and I's beach experiences are different from each other. She likes to lay in the sun. I like to get one of them cabanas or whatever you call them. Is that what you call them? And I like to sit in the shade. The point is, is we're just there spending quiet time with the Lord. Here's what the Bible says, Psalms 46 and verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Now let me share something with you. Out of all the Ten Commandments, the one that the Christians don't think that they need to obey is the Sabbath rest. In the Old Testament, there was a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. You don't think God's serious about you resting? There was a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. You know what the Bible said they did? The Bible said they took him and put him in holding. Well, what did he get locked up for? Well, he was gathering sticks. On the Sabbath day. Now thank God we live under a dispensation of grace. But you know what God said? God said, stone him. Stone him. There were three things in the Old Testament that you could get stoned for under the law. You know what they were? Number one, murder. Number two, not honoring the Sabbath. And number three, rebellious children. And all the kids said, thank God we live under grace. Amen. So now you can look at your child the next time they're rebellious and you can say, you need to thank God you weren't under Moses' law because you'd be getting stoned right now. God is serious about us getting our rest. God is so serious about getting our rest. The Bible said, now listen to me very closely. The Bible said that God sat down and rested. He, he, the Bible said that He created the world in six days. I was studying this this week. The Bible said that He created the world in six days. And the Bible said on the seventh day God rested. I studied what that word rested means. You know what that word rested means there? 
It means exhaled. God created by speaking. When you speak, when you speak, you're working, right? When, and that's how God was working. He was speaking. He was speaking. But the, Bible said, but the Bible said then God on the seventh day just exhaled. And he said, oh, that is good. And God instituted the Sabbath for us to rest. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is the first day of the week. The Sabbath is on Saturday. That's the seventh day of the week. The Bible says six days we labor and the seventh we rest. It doesn't say four days we labor and then we get three days off or five days we labor and then we get two days off. The Bible said six days we labor and the seventh day we rest. Just as much in America as we like to work, we also have got to learn to rest. Now let me, let me just drive it home just a little bit more here because I want you to get this. I really want you to get this in your spirit. God is not going to bless you when you do not rest. You can work that extra job. You can try to do it all by yourself. But if you don't do things God's way, you can't have God's promises in your life. So it's important that we rest. Now, we've all spent a lot of time learning, haven't we? We've spent a long time learning how to be busy. Now I want to encourage you this week, spend some time learning how to rest. When we, talk, when we take care of ourselves, we're taking care of God's house. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. And then look at this next phrase, Which temple ye are. So God's word tells us we're holy. Because we're the temple of God. We're God's property. You are God's property. Wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, Well, hello, God's property. You are God's property. You belong to God. Would you let someone abuse God's property? Then why do we let people abuse us? Why do we let them abuse our time? Why do we let them abuse our emotions? Why? Well, we're God's property. We belong to God. We are the temple of God. The Bible said right here, whose temple ye are. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So that's just bringing more clarity just in case someone says, well, I know that I'm God's property and that God lives in me, but He lives in my spirit. No, 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 no. The Bible says right here, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that your body is the house of God. And so if my body is the house of God and God lives in me and God dwells inside of me and I know that He's there, then everything I watch on television, God is watching. Every word that I let come out of my mouth, God is hearing. Everything that I do in the name of Christ, God is presiding over. We are God's temple. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are holy unto the Lord. And when we work ourselves into the ground, then we are killing God's temple. So many people, they say, well, we're not under the law. 
So we don't have to live like that anymore. We can work seven days. If you, you know what? You'll have the sentence of death in yourself. I'm trying to encourage you today. Take some time to rest. Get some quiet time. Spend some time with the Lord. Let Him refresh you. Let Him renew you. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Take a vacation. Take a staycation. You know, go, go to the beach. You live in Florida. Go to the beach. Spend some time at the beach. You don't have to get yourself a motel on the beach. You live in Florida. Drive back home after the sun goes down. Stop at Twisty Tree. Get yourself some ice cream. Hallelujah. Put that in the temple of God. 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, last scripture. The Bible said, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now listen to me. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Our jobs can be our idol. Our spouse can be our idol. Our kids can be our idol. Our opinion and our want to, and this is the way I want things to be, they can be our idol. The Bible said, What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? An idol is anything that stands between me and God and stops me from experiencing God the way that I need to experience Him. Some people's idol is conflict. I have boundaries around my life. Someone wants to start mess, I just push them outside that boundary. I love you. Go create problems somewhere else. This is my family. We're going to love each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to, we're going to do life together. We're going to have a good time together. We're, you, and you've got to put a boundary around you. You can't let that stuff in you. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. So he drives it home again. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, and I will dwell in them. Now listen to this. He's not just dwelling or setting up permanent residence in us, but now he's saying, and I'll walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What a deal. What a deal. So when I go to the beach, and I spend my quiet time with the Lord, or when I go to the trees out back behind the house and spend my quiet time with the Lord, or when I go to the pavilion here, wherever it is in your, in your life, when you go to that place, some of you haven't been to your quiet place in a really long time. Some of you just need to go into the restroom and shut and lock the door and turn on some music and just let life go on outside. Of, outside. Some of you need to just get a little room, a prayer room in your house or a little closet or something like that and that's your meeting place with God. David Wilkerson called it his trysting place. He said, I had a trysting place everywhere that I served in ministry and he said, that's where I would go and have the hard conversations with God and I would try God and I would try the words of God and I would try to to see if what I was hearing was from God or not and he said, when I had questions I ran there and when when I needed wisdom I would run there and when I needed help and healing and wholeness, I would run there. It was my trysting place. It was his quiet place. Find a quiet place. And and, and when you get there, don't tell anyone else where it's at. Take 15 minutes every single day this week. I challenge you. 15 minutes every single day this week. And just get quiet.
Selah. And here's what you do. You go to that place and you sit or you lay down or whatever you're going to do. And you say, and here's what I do. I'll just tell you what I do. I'll say, God, this is Johnny. I know you know that. I'm here to listen. And that's it. And I don't say anything until I feel something rise in me and I know it's the Lord. I'm here to listen. Quiet time. You didn't learn to be busy overnight. You won't learn to relax overnight. Hmm? Somebody said something I didn't hear. It's probably better I didn't. Yes, that's right. I debated on whether to put him there. But you didn't learn to be busy overnight. You won't learn to relax overnight. But you have to start somewhere. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.